Today's episode of the Podular Modcast is brought to you by Odulus. Odulus is a modular synthesizer visual programming platform for iOS, Mac, Windows, and Linux. With Odulus, you can create synthesizers, sequencers, and effects from scratch, or use one of the hundreds of built-in modules or some of the thousands of user-created patches available for download at the Odulus forum. Plug your computer or iOS device straight into an Expert Sleepers ES8 or similar DC-coupled audio interface, and Odulus can be a sound source, an envelope, a filter, an LFO, a sequencer, or an effect all at once. The song you're hearing right now was actually made with a combination of Odulus and Eurorack modules. A SuperSaw chord pattern generated in Odulus with a matrix sequencer is being sent through a bubble sound modular DIOD filter, while another pattern from the same sequencer drives a Doper A111-3 VCO and envelopes a Roland 505 filter. Odulus is also sequencing the tip-top audio BD909 and CP909 and mixes everything together with fader automation. As you can hear, Odulus can help you get more out of your modular synth. But you can also use it alone. Make a patch on your iPad on your commute from work and load it up instantly on your computer when you get home through automatic iCloud syncing. Right now, Odulus is running a limited time sale, 50% off in the Mac and iOS stores. Also, for each episode of the Podular Modcast, we'll be giving away three free copies of Odulus. So go check out my Instagram page, Podular Modcast, and uh, see, see if you can be the first one to grab one of those free download codes. Um, I'll be posting them at random points during the week. Uh, so good luck. Odulus, build sound from first principles and take your modular to the next level. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of Modular Modcast. Uh, today's guest is Corey Sterling, aka Red Stripe Down, um, and we talk about a lot of really cool stuff, including um, his musical history and how he got into modular, and the Patch CV film, which is coming out soon, and uh, his recording techniques, and all sorts of cool stuff. And there's going to be some live screenings uh, of Patch CV um, all over the country, and I'm going to have a link in the episode description. Um, so you can see if they're coming to your city. Uh, yeah. One quick note about today's episode. Unfortunately, there is no patch challenge because Corey had his system already patched up for a performance that was coming up. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. So I've had a few people reach out to me to, um, to tell me that I should have Duncan Trussell on the podcast. And if you don't know who Duncan Trussell is, he is a, a comedian and he has a, a podcast called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, which I've been listening to since it started in, I think, probably 2010. Um, and I don't know if I've shared this story. I thought I shared this story on the, on the show, but I'm going to share it again anyways um, in more detail. So... Duncan Trussell is the reason this podcast exists. 
Um, I've been a fan of podcasts since, like I said, around 2010, and I've always wanted to have my own, and I didn't know what I could possibly have a podcast about until Modular came along. Um, however, when I got in, I, I wanted to start a podcast about Modular, like right when I got into it. So I kicked around the idea for a while and I kind of, I don't know, I talked myself out of it. I got a little, I was like, I don't know enough about it or whatever. And, uh, I kind of shelved the idea. Um, and then one day I was at work and I was listening to Duncan Trussell and I forgot who he was interviewing. And up until this point, I had never heard him mention modular synthesis ever. Um, I knew he had played around with synthesizers, but I never knew he was into modular. And they're just talking about whatever it was they were talking about. And I start drifting off from the conversation. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I do want to start that podcast. No, I can't start that podcast. And I started, you know, beating myself down again about all the reasons why I shouldn't start the podcast. And right when I had kind of like wrestled my way through, no, I'm not going to do it. Duncan Trussell says, I don't even know what context because I was in my own head. I just heard him say, it's like modular synthesis, man. He kind of talks like that. Um, (laughs) I love him. Um, And I was just like, oh, wait, that's that's kind of weird. And the reason it was extra weird is Duncan Trussell is, uh, he kind of got me in. He's one of, he is the reason that I kind of got into, um, reading like Chogyam Trumpa and, you know, getting into kind of like Tibetan Buddhist stuff. Um, that's kind of my favorite stuff to read and it resonates with me. And so, you know, and he's, he's talked to, he's, he's kind of a mystic guy. Um, but he's also, he's also kind of, um, he's also a little bit uh like reluctant to go in with like the hooey stuff so that's kind of where i fall i like i like a lot of it but at the same time i'm kind of an empiricist and yeah so so when he said that i was like this is the perfect person to say that uh so yeah i started a podcast and i was maybe two months into modular synthesis i don't know if you guys know this but i'm like just over a year into it so like what business do i have having a podcast but for some reason, when I heard that, I just felt like I have to do it. And I just started doing it. And I've learned a lot. And I shudder at the hubris of starting a podcast because I knew so little when I when I did the first few episodes. But I have learned a lot from talking to all the great guests. So the reason I bring this up is people keep asking, you know, hey, you should have Duncan on the show. I would love to have Duncan on the show. And I've reached out to him. But I think he's pretty hard to get a hold of. He you know, hundreds of thousands of people listen to his show. So every week, so I'm sure he gets a lot of mail. So if you guys want him on the show, maybe uh, hit him up on social media and tag us both and, and see, see if, uh, see if we can get him. That would be super, super cool. Um, also I've had some people reach out and, uh, you know, say, Hey man, you talk a lot about how much you hate your job and I'm going through the same thing. And, and uh, I didn't realize that it came across so apparently that I'm, I'm kind of over what I do for a living um, until everybody else, you know, so many other people reached out and, uh, you know, kind of were like, I'm in the same boat. So we're all in the struggle together and thank you for reaching out. However, I kind of had like this perspective switch and I think perspective is very, very important when it comes to, you know, stuff that's that's eating at you. So I was thinking about it and I was like, well, think, think about it like this. You sleep one third of your life, right? Um, and then 
you know, so you have two thirds of your life that you have waking existence. And then I started kind of crunching the numbers and it turns out that one third of my waking existence is, or no, yes, half of my waking existence, excuse me, is, uh, is spent doing stuff that I don't want to do for no reason other than I need money to pay bills. So I don't know, just thinking about that a whole third of my entire life is devoted to doing stuff that I don't want to do for other people to make more money just kind of made me feel a little bit better about the whole thing. So I, I, rec- I uh, recommend you guys uh, try that as well. So let's just call this the first installment of um, Tim's uplifting advice. I'm going to gonna try and, um, you know, bring, bring some, some uplifting stuff to your day because, uh, you know, it's, it's rough out there. Um, Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Um, If you would like to help out on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. I have such a hard time saying forward slash podular modcast. Um, We have a new shout out this week. Future Aztec Man. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. And if you would like a shout out or an induction into the cool kid club or any of the other interesting tiers that I have on the Patreon. Um, I would really appreciate it. So, so thank you. Was that enough rambling? I think that was, that was, that was a, a fine amount of rambling. Um, that song that you're listening to just now under all my rambling is from uh, red stripe down and you can get that on Bandcamp. Uh, that song is called Immovable Objects, and he has, uh, he has some other stuff up there I highly recommend. Um, all right, let's get into a demo and then get into our talk with Corey. All right, I want to take a moment to show you the uh, Bang Oscillator from Livestock Electronics. Uh, sounds a little something like this right now. <laughs> So right now I'm using uh, two of the uh, sine wave outputs from the angle grinder in its kind of low LFO mode. Um, That was redundant. Um, To control the chunks CV input on the bang and the odd CV input on the bang. And then I've got a math channel for controlling the even. Now, let's bring the uh, Ataraxica Teratos from Noise Engineering in so I can show you some like some chord stuff got some cv going into that as well but i want to show you how well the bang can play with other oscillators pretty fun let's bring a nice little kick from the uh oscilloscape in and we'll bring the basimilis ateritas in for the heck of it Now I'm going to cycle through the different wave libraries on the bang, and you'll hear that change with each time I change chords. Starting now, of course.
now we're back to where we started. This is a super flexible oscillator. Um, it also comes with an app where you can make your own wave shapes. So uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Go to Livestock Electronics to learn more. Exactly. <laughs> Seems to be pretty typical. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you joining, uh, joining me. You're out, you're out in Chicago, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll just get right into it. My first question is, is, is that your apartment that I always see you jamming in an Instagram <laughs> that has that awesome view down to like the city street? It's like you have like this optimal, like cool view. Like I would love to patch with that view. It looks a badass. That is my apartment and That's my studio. Awesome. <laughs> it's, all, it's all under one roof, um, and it's really just a corner of the living room. It looks really majestic uh -huh. in the videos, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty <laughs> modest in reality. <laughs> uh, but the view is great. Uh, the view is fantastic. Um, yeah, this only, apartment has been awesome. That's, yeah, I, I've only been to Chicago once. I actually uh, lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan for a few years. I went to Western oh, okay. out there. Um, and I ended up only staying one night in Chicago for an anthropology conference and uh, didn't really leave the one block. But from what I saw, it was really cool, and I really would like to get back there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great city. I moved here from New York, um, and I thought I was going to be missing out on the, on the big city vibe, and not at all. Uh, it's, yeah. It's great for that. It, you know, the cost of living here is considerably less. It has everything that you would want from a big city. There's a scene for everybody. There's a really strong modular scene, a really strong electronic music scene, obviously, in mm -hmm. general. Um, lots of great clubs, lots of great DJs, and you know, prolific people in the scene kind of hail from here. So yeah. it's, uh, it's got some history, and it's, it's been really fun. And there's a great comedy scene out there, too, isn't there? Like, is it, That's what I hear. I, I haven't... I don't really go to a lot of stand-up comedy. Uh, yeah. I love stand-up comedy. I don't really find myself going out for it. I probably should, but I yeah. don't really go out to see music either, so I guess <laughs> I'm equally <laughs> snubbing all of the performing arts, you all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hear that Yeah, the second city's here, and there's yeah. a lot of famous comedians that hail from, from this area, too. Yeah, that's kind of the reason I got into doing my own podcast, actually, is I've been just like a huge comedy fan for, and listening to comedy podcasts for the last you know almost 10 years or whatever and uh i always wanted to make a podcast but i never had a good reason until modular came into my life and i was like i found i found my route so yeah yeah absolutely i think that's yeah. perfect so i i was trying to look up some some info on you since uh since we set up this uh this recording date and i was trying to get some backstory on you and i couldn't find a whole lot which is is good f good for an interview so i i just wanted to make sure i'm not asking you any questions you've answered a million times but i'd kind of like to just let's get a, like a brief brief background musically and then into modular and then there's you sent me some stuff uh there's a lot of stuff i want to get into but just briefly um, sure. Yeah, let's hear your story. All right. Well, um, 
I've been involved in music since, I don't know, maybe the age of 12, 11, yeah. 12, somewhere around there. I was fortunate enough to go to a, a middle school that had a really cool program called Rock and Rhythm Band. And it was, <laughs> it was a class that taught contemporary music and instruments to kids. So we played rock tunes, uh, you know, some classic stuff like Santana and uh, Jackson 5, things like that. But really eye-opening experience and, and really rare to find a place that are that's teaching electric guitar or bass or, you know, the drum set to kids in public schools. So that was a great jumping point. And from there, I got really into it, started practicing heavily. Bass was my primary instrument. Mm-hmm. That was my focus through high school. Ended up going to Berklee College of Music with an emphasis. My, well, my major was performance. Bass was my primary instrument. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of come from a more traditional, more academic music background with you know, a heavy emphasis on jazz and classical music. And okay. uh, yeah, so by, about the time that I get out of Berkeley, I'm just, I'm done. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, music had just been, has, was beaten so hard into you. And it was such a, a chore, really. It, it became that at some point. Uh, you know, where music was all about the academia and really you kind of lost your creative drive. And I think that's common for a lot of people who come from institutions like that. Not that they're not great institutions, but, you know, it's it's a college and you're going there for something that's supposed to be fun and something that you like. And then you get this harsh uh, reality that, holy shit, this is going to be a job mm-hmm. <laughs> and that this is work. And I, there's, you know, and, and that's all good and fun, but. Anyway, so I left college feeling a little disenfranchised by the entire industry, and I had some friends who were just kind of getting into this new wave of progressive house music, and I started listening to this stuff for the first time with new ears and really enjoying the lack of technicality and the lack of, I don't know, I don't want to say movement because there's definitely a lot of movement in that music, but it's different. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I got into the repetition and I started to find the artistry in that and that these people were producing this wonderful music that was drawing me in. And what, what it was, it was more sonically interesting, not necessarily musically interesting, but sonically interesting. And right, that's when I started right. to try to reproduce some of those same type of sounds via Ableton, other soft sense, things like that. Not really having any clear direction. All I knew is that I wanted to put a kick drum four on the floor <laughs> and I wanted some <laughs> big gnarly sense behind it. And that's kind of where the interest in electronic music started. It was kind of late. You know, at this point I was 25, 26 uh-huh. and um, wasn't quite really sure where to go with it. I... Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Joined some friends in a, in a synth pop band, and I started investing in hardware pieces. So I bought a micro Korg, I bought a, a Moog Slim Fatty, and a, and a bunch of other smaller monophonic synths. And I just kind of found that I was never really happy with those. So I started investing in larger, more expensive polyphonic keyboards and all this, but I'm not a keyboard player by any means. So I yeah. had these wonderful <laughs> instruments, but I just I couldn't play them. I, I just I didn't have the patience or time to invest in really learning a new instrument and becoming a pianist. So I thought, well, shit, how can I take advantage of the sonic quality of these instruments and put it in a different context and start, 
I don't know. I don't want to be a slave to the device of the keyboard. I want to right. use these sounds and I want to improvise with them and I want to kind of go out there, but I don't want to be a keyboardist. And that's kind of mm. where modular came around. Yeah, I can I can relate to that a lot actually. I I kind of was feeling kind of I, I definitely don't have the the technical training that you do. Um, but you know, growing up playing rock and roll and everything and then kind of being drawn into more like you'd said earlier, the, the sonic textures of electronic music and wanting to, to mess around more with sound than actually like composing. And yeah, my gateway was like guitar pedals and drum machines, but I had, I had the same thing, you know, I, I had a micro Korg as well. And, and I, you know, I, I've, I've owned probably, you know, 10 different synths and yeah, it, it, it never got out of it what I was looking for. And it was, it was probably, you know, probably more user error on my end but yeah that was definitely for me the same the same draw into it it was um yeah just more of the the textural side of sound so yeah totally yeah it's now, it's it's the sound it's also just the lack of well, there's no rules with this instrument mm-hmm, and coming mm-hmm. coming from that academic point where you know people are standing over you and judging you and watching you and i mean every every little note that you play is under scrutiny and with this there's there's no guidebook there's no official way to do this so that was really liberating yeah yeah i've had i've talked to a couple of people who are who are into modular and haven't performed live yet and they're just like i'm just so worried that you know something will go wrong and and i'll screw up and and i always just say like no one will know <laughs> like, people think that you're doing that on purpose like good or bad i mean which you know definitely that's not me like you know uh you know demeaning modular at all it's just but like you said it's not i think people accept accept it more as just kind of the experience that's happening and and less the scrutiny of you know did they hit that note or you know or they're a little flat or they're a little you know or something like that there's it's a Absolutely. weird freedom um, so I have a question. I think I think people kind of uh, look at your music as having like a lot of uh, like musicality to it and and rich harm like harmonies and, and good use of actual like um, like musical theory in a way. So, so do you draw a lot of that training now? Like now that you're kind of your seasoned modular user, do you find yourself using the training that you, you got from, from the academic side of studying it? Yeah, I do. I do. Not all of it. And, um, Uh not necessarily the more complex points of that. Uh, I do try to introduce harmonic change and, and rich melodies because those are the types of things that I like. I I think that uh, of anything that came into this was just my sense of melody. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always loved, just like everybody, everybody loves a good melody. Something that you can walk away singing, <laughs> something that you can, I don't know, it's something that draws you into the music. So coming to the instrument from that background, I wanted to bring melody to it. And I wanted to use these sequencers, these crazy tools to uh, help draw out melodies that I probably wouldn't come up with on my own. In fact, yeah. Totally. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> you know, the, the instrument composes just as much of itself as that's sorry, that's my dog bark. Lucy. It's not Lucy, the first chill time. Out, baby. I know. <laughs> hey baby, chill out. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. But yeah, I like to I like to think that the instrument is working with me on that and is applying 
a lot of the creativity and a lot of the inspiration um, to, to move forward with it. It definitely opens that up. So if you take a little bit of that training and you apply it to it and you just kind of let the computer figure it out and do its thing, then you come sometimes come up with some, uh, I don't know, some pretty interesting results. Yeah, it's it's strangely interactive. Um, that's that's been my favorite part of it because even even when I was in you know rock rock bands and everything, there was always there was always these weird kind of um, like moments that maybe were an, like an accident or, or you screwed something up or, or something went wrong technologically, but they almost were serendipitous and and would um, you know offer this like oh I hadn't thought about approaching recording this part in that way and. When that that was always my favorite part of recording with like traditional just like rock and roll music, and now I feel like it, that happens almost every time you make a patch. So it's like my favorite part of like constructing music, um, which was kind of a more of a rare thing, happens you know way more often, which is a huge thing that draws me in. Um, like I was just I spent a lot of time working on demos and stuff uh, for the show. Um, over the over the break, over my Thanksgiving break, my wa- my wife had to work for a few days in a row, so I was just at home by myself. And I thought I'd be tired of of uh, messing around with my modular by the end of two days of doing it. But you know, day three, I was still looking at it like oh, I just want to. I still want to play with it. So <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, I think that's a lot of what it is. It it's that it's that mistake. It's that discovery. I don't. I don't really want to call mm-hmm. it a mistake, but maybe it's an unintention. Um, right. Yeah. Something happens that totally blows your mind, and then you spend the next half hour trying to recreate that unintention or mistake. And and when you figure it out, all of a sudden you can add that to your repertoire of sounds of uh, go-to things. Now that's a new technique. It's not a mistake, and it's an instrument that constantly mm-hmm. works with you that way. Right. Right. I like that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted before I want to get into patch CV for sure. And I want to, I want to touch on your recording. Um, you've got some stuff on Bandcamp. Uh, your most recent thing was from October, uh, immovable mm-hmm. objects, right? It's yep. a, a track. I'm wondering with like, I love, I love your, like your artwork, the trajectory of your artwork, kind of these, these line drawings of these like cool little animals and stuff. It's really cool. Uh, do you do those by the way? <laughs> No, I do not. Um, I wish that I did. Uh, I've tried to recreate things like that just with horrible results. Uh, that's a good friend of mine from New York. His name, his name is Nick, and he, uh, he's actually a barber by trade, but an artist and a oh, okay. cartoonist on the side. And I just reached out and I said, hey, man, um, cats and cute stuff, and here's some music and like whatever you come up with. And he sent me some pretty raunchy stuff. <laughs> Some stuff that didn't make it out there. Uh, uh-huh. But it, it, it's great artwork. It's just not what I wanted to be the face of the album. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, this, uh, the one for reparations, it borders on raunchy, but it's, 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 it's perfect. It's raunchy. right at that line. Um, I urge the listener to go check it out uh, on redstripedown.bandcamp.com. Um, but so I'll, I'm always interested in how people approach recording modular. Um, sure. From... Do you compose and then record, or do you kind of mess around and then hit record when you found something you like, and do you multi-track, or is it kind of all of the above? It's a little bit of everything. It kind of just depends on what state the studio is at that point. I mean, doing a lot of gigs and moving the equipment in and out all the time, at any point, it could 
it's always in flux. So <laughs> um, right now yeah. I probably have half of my equipment set up, which is a shame because I'm supposed to be working on an album, and I'm not at all. <laughs> I've been totally <laughs> procrastinating. <laughs> I'm sorry, David, if you hear this. Um, it, it just kind of depends. Sometimes wow. it is a, oh, this is really cool and I want to capture it, or maybe this will be Instagram fodder or... You know who who knows what this what it's going to be, but I'll hit record and just record a stereo track most times. Um, okay. Sometimes I'm multi-tracking. Not often though. I just okay. kind of find that this is why I need somebody to help me with my albums because <laughs> yeah. I I get I get really lazy on the production side and I cut corners and I want to just kind of bounce it out at stereo and thinking oh I'll fix it in post and then. It never works out, so I'll end up recording yeah. it about a hundred times. And if I would have just multi-tracked it and done it the proper way the first time, I could probably be releasing more stuff <laughs> more often. Yeah, you know, I hear you there. I, I before I got into modular, my favorite thing to do was was the production side. I would like to record and then and then just dive in and mix. And I, I haven't found myself doing a whole lot of that because one of the great things about modular is you. I just feel like you can get it sounding the way you want it to sound, like right down to like your frequency range, um, before you even commit it. But I'm still trying to find my my mode. But it it has been an all of the above thing, and that just kind of seems like the answer to almost any question you ask about modular. You know, there's there's no definitive answer, and uh, right, that's that's the good thing. Um, I, I just keep hoping that I'm going to ask somebody a question and they're going to give me an answer that's like the secret weapon, but I don't think such <laughs> things exist. <laughs> I mean, I, I, do, I do know people who take that a little bit more seriously and have high-quality, high-end audio interfaces for their modular where they're multi-tracking everything. And, but these people are working in, in more sound design and scoring capacities and are doing this professionally every day and have right. deadlines for this type of... It's a, it's a different animal, I think, when you're producing music f with a specific purpose and a deadline as opposed to just me, like the bedroom warrior, who's just trying to do their own thing whenever I have time. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, and that kind of segues into... Uh, getting into talking about the patch CV film because um, I'm sure you've you've just seen so many different things because of that. Um, wow, that was really poorly worded. I'm going to pass it <laughs> off to you. Do you want to just, uh, for those who don't know, <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about that project and what it is. Yeah, sure. Uh, so patch CV is a documentary series that will be uh, airing soon, or at least the first couple episodes airing December 7th, I believe. Um, and it's yeah, coming up just a couple of weeks. It's it's a series that's focused more on the con the current state of the instrument and less about the history. Mm -hmm. I Dream of Wires is great, but that really takes us back to the beginning of the whole thing. And right, not that we're not interested in that, but we're less interested in telling that story again. Mm -hmm. So we want to we want to capture the people who are who are getting into this, the scene that's building around it, the music that's being created, all of these manufacturers and these technologists who are putting their development time into these silly little PCBs with an aluminum <laughs> faceplate and trying to make a living out of it. And it's, it's just turned into such, I don't really, I don't want to say phenomena, but it, it kind of is. Um, it's really starting to go mainstream and it's interesting to see 
what's blossoming around it and where the inspiration is coming from and why people are investing so much money and time and energy into something that kind of seems trivial. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's been amazing. It's, it's been a really fun journey hanging with these guys, interviewing all these great artists, meeting heroes. I mean, holy cow. It's, it's been quite, uh, quite an experience. Yeah, so have you been doing much traveling for that? Are you kind of getting catching people as they pass through town? or? Uh, we've been traveling quite a bit. I haven't been with the crew for all of the filming, but I've been with them for most of it. Um, okay. We still have a few cities to hit. We still need to hit New York. We are trying to go international. We're trying to get to Europe. We're trying to get to Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I'd love to get to Australia. I don't know how realistic that is, but... Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I've heard that flight is pretty rough. <laughs> It's pretty rough, and it's not cheap. And yeah, um, but yeah. So we we have been traveling. We've been we've been trying to catch the artists in their own environment, and trying to catch them at home, and you know, get as much of a natural and candid response, not only musically but also for the interview, as possible. Okay. So, so are you doing? I know you've released a number of like one minute snippets from different artists. I've watched some with uh, with Daedalus and, and uh, a, f- a bunch of people and Annie. Um, mm-hmm. And so these are kind of just <clears throat> are these are these kind of just like little little uh, promotional teasers for what is to come. And is it going to be episodic? It it is going to be episodic, but not episodic per artist, but more towards okay. Theme. So. Oh. Each episode will have a theme, and then you'll be hearing from various artists. Not, I don't know if everybody's going to appear in every episode or, or how that's all going to work. It's probably just based on the context of, of the interview, I imagine. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is going to be episodic, and it, it is themed. So, yeah, you are seeing little clips of, you know, five seconds of this person, ten seconds of this person, and, and random stuff. We're just trying to build a little bit of hype and, and show you that all your favorite cats are, are in this and yeah. trying to capture them at their best moments and trying to just build a little bit, little bit of buzz around it. Yeah, and, and you just um, you have some vinyl that just got released, right? Or yeah, it's yeah. coming? Yeah, we just released uh, Volume 1, which is the first, I think there will be a compilation that will accompany each episode. Oh, so, cool. however many episodes there are, I believe there will be that many compilations, um, different artists, different songs, same format. Like five, everybody has a five-minute window to create, and yeah, it's it's been pretty fun. The vinyl's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I have a it looks copy great. It right here, yeah, it sounds wonderful. Uh, David, who's been producing this entire series, has I d- I don't know what they're called. F- forgive me on this, but. Uh, <laughs> He actually owns the machine that cuts the vinyl. Oh, wow. I don't know what that is, a lathe or something. Yeah, Somebody's going to correct was, me on this. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll hear. It's the only time you hear from anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a lathe, you idiot. <laughs> um, so he has put so much of himself into this project, and he's actually producing. He's cutting each record by hand. Uh, wow. So it's it's a special thing. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, it's as grassroots as something like this could be. That is that's super cool. And I've been in, and I have to say it's wonderfully shot and edited. It looks gorgeous like the clips that I've seen. 
Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to watch it. Now, when you say it airs, where, where is that going to be? Would, well, we're having a premiere. Um, uh-huh. It's going to be shown at various small theaters around the country. I don't have a list of cities ready for you. I know Asheville is one. I know Portland is one. Uh, Los Angeles. There's going to be a few others. I don't have that information right offhand, but if somebody is listening to this before this happens, you can go to the Patch CV website, and there will be a breakdown of all of these events. So if you want to attend, cool. I believe they're all going to be free. Um, so no money required. You can just go and enjoy the film. It's going to be cool. Um, so yeah, we're, we're launching it on the 7th. I will be in St. Augustine where David and Britt, who's the cinematographer, and he's the guy who's handling all those beautiful visuals and the artwork. He's very talented. Um, so I'm headed there. We're going to kick it off there and have a, a couple performances. And uh, from there, it will I believe it'll be on Apple. I believe it'll be on the iTunes store and Amazon. And I'm not sure if it's going to go to YouTube Red or something. Those specifics, I'm not in charge of. (laughs) But it will will be available to the masses. Okay, great. And 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 for the listener, I will I will add a link to that part of the page in the, uh, awesome. the episode info. So if you're listening right now in the future, which uh, look look at your phone and click that link if you want to check on those dates. Um, hey guys, I want to take a moment to show you what the Interstellar Radio can do from Schlappy Engineering. Now let's see here, really quick. This is the sound that it's currently making. I've got the out and the error out um, going into separate channels, one of which is going into the disting uh, delay. Now, this is just the sound that it's making, and I could control all of this with a bunch of cool CV, and I'll show you some of that later, but I'm going to put some sound into it first. So here's the dry signal of the Ataraxic Ateritas. I'm going to put that into the uh, demodulator in. And then here is the bang from Livestock Electronics. Let's turn the interstellar radio down for a second. So I'm going to feed the bang into the carrier in. So let's do that really quick. Let's bring that interstellar radio back up. All right, the Ataraxic Ateritas into the demodulator in. Let's take those originals down. And you can hear it. I'm going to put the bang into the carrier. You can hear it get a little fatter. And then I've got the Korg Volca beats going through the cutting room floor pedal from Recovery Effects and the Afterneath. So let's just start that up. So that's the dry signal. Let's kick that Afterneath on really quick. One, two, three. cutting room floor into the afternoon.
Go to schlappyengineering.com and livestockelectronics.com to learn more about the Interstellar Radio and the Bang. So how, how, how did you get involved with this? Because it sounds like there's quite a lot of people involved in it and kind of what was the inception of it? Um, well, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, David came walking into, uh, I managed a synth shop in here in Chicago called Nerd Audio. Mm-hmm. And David has family here and he just happened to Google synth shops Chicago, came across <laughs> Nerd Audio and came in. He's like, oh, hey, I, I know you from Instagram. And uh-huh. <laughs> and then that was it. We uh, we went to lunch, had some beers, started talking about this project, and just started riffing back and forth on on what this could be like and and who this could affect and what to do with all of this material. And next thing I know, I get an email saying, "Hey, love to have you on this project." And of course, I couldn't turn that down. And it, I mean, yeah. it was that easy. And yeah. That is awesome. Just through Instagram. It's, it's kind of funny. You, I never knew that I would meet so many people through a social media platform like this. It's, I know. It's crazy. And buckle up, listener. You've heard me say it a bunch of times. But <laughs> Instagram <laughs> has been uh, instrumental in just kind of yeah. helping this show get started. I mean, we, sure. we've been contacting or we've been communicating via Instagram Messenger. And it's just I don't even bother with Facebook really anymore or Twitter or any of that shit. I just feel like Instagram is like, especially for my, my podcast, uh, account, it's just nothing but modular stuff and guitar pedals. And it's like, perfect. I don't need to hear anybody, you know, talking shit about whatever's going on with the old Cheeto face, you know, like just kind of <laughs> disappear and see some cool shit. And <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's a great platform for that. It's not a soapbox like Facebook and other platforms have become. It's really just, you can focus your interests and tune into what you want to see. And I mean, I not trying to endorse it so heavy here, but holy shit. I mean, it's, it's really strong for this community, especially. And I feel, yeah. Yeah. I feel that's the spider web that has created this massive movement has been that social media platform. It's actually, it's social media actually doing something good. Which, yeah, exactly. You know? I think that's why I've been so excited about it. Cause I, I yeah, I don't want to sit here and cause I know it's owned by Facebook and blah, blah, blah. And I know advertising and algorithms and blah, blah, blah. But, um, it, it has seemed to really, um, provide this really great, like, conduit through which um you know all these different cities can can get to know each other you know like i mean i don't know it's it's been really i posted something on instagram i'm going to uh new orleans in february and i was just like hey is there anybody in new orleans and i had like six modular people hit me up and now we're we're emailing about setting up a show for when i'm down there visiting and i'm gonna do some podcasts it's like yeah it's like all because of this little fucking picture that i posted you know like it's okay. We'll stop talking about Instagram. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a good source of well, information and a great way to hear new music and discover new artists that you, that you were unaware of. I mean, that's how I totally. discovered basic. That's how I discovered search. Uh, mm-hmm. that's how I discovered everybody. You, I'm talking to you because we met via Instagram. So yeah. if, if you hate social media and you hate being social with people, I get it. But, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to look and, and see what people are doing. 
yeah, it's a good way to find modules and like yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun to see all that stuff and it's it's easy. Um, oh, I want to talk about you man- managing the shop a little bit because uh, okay. that's that sounds like a pretty interesting job and probably uh, a good way to meet meet the community in person. And uh, I don't know what what it's like in the Chicago scene, but here in Seattle and in Portland, it seems like the synth shops are kind of like these hubs where a lot of people meet each other and then just it becomes like the the patrons of a synth shop just become kind of a giant friend group eventually that's that's what's happening here yeah i mean i i can vouch for the the exact same experience um one of our focuses at the shop is to make it a safe place for the community make it a place Mm -hmm. where people who are curious about this or maybe just getting started where they don't feel intimidated where they can hang out meet other like-minded people riff off of each other share ideas it's that has been my focus number one is to just make it the place where the community goes because in the the business will follow right and, and right and yeah. sure keeping the lights on and everybody fed is important but uh, also creating a scene and i don't know a safe haven for all of the introverts <laughs> to <Yeah>. gather <laughs> and actually you know talk with each other and it's it's been amazing it over the last year that we've been doing this series of events called nerd out it's a monthly synth meet people from all over the area bring in whatever they got um you don't have to bring anything but we get modular we get vintage we get drum machines computers whatever it doesn't matter Uh, we just set them up on these long tables that go down the shop we drink beers we jam a little bit talk shit and it's just the most fun. And it's amazing. Um, it's growing every month. People are coming out of the woodworks and we get the same, you know, a, a group of the same people that grows every month. And it's becoming, it's been, uh, I don't know, it's been really rewarding in that aspect for sure. Yeah. It's, and it's funny you mentioned um, like the, the, the idea of kind of being like a, a, an open and, and safe environment for, for noobs to come into, which, which as somebody from the outside looking into modular, you would think that maybe the modular community would be the least likely to be that way. But from what I have found, it's been the most accepting and just no ego. And, you know, I don't know. It just seems like just such an open, warm, welcoming thing for, for everybody. And that's just been so, so nice to see that. And and that's, I I hear that over and over from people who, who are coming in new, you know, it's, it's super awesome. And it's, it's cool to see like a shop be a place like that because like the whole record store, I mean, I know there are still record stores out there. Um, but I feel like it's kind of taking the place of, of what I viewed as the ideal record store, you know, as a kid, it's like a place to go hang out and, learn about the things that you're interested in and meet new people and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, and that's funny. You meant thinking of a record shop as a kid. Cause I used to go to record shops as a kid too. And, <laughs> and that's how a lot of these guys are. I love them. Mm-hmm. They come in and they've got wide eyes, like, like children looking at <laughs> in the toy store. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's, it's awesome. And yeah, it's been a very accepting and wonderful scene. Not only here in Chicago, but I agree with you. Everywhere I go, uh, there's just love in this modular community and a lot of diversity and a lot of acceptance. And it's very different from any other music scene I've been a part of, whether that be rock and roll or hip hop or or jazz or, you know, whatever. It's just people encouraging others to be creative and to say something, whatever that is. Hey, cool. I got gotcha. you. It's 
it's yeah. refreshing. <laughs> it, it totally is, yeah. Because I, I kind of, I was kind of hoping for that from from a music scene. Like when I started playing, every time I'd be in a band or go to a new city to try to try to you know start a band in that city or whatever, it was always like I always. I, at, after doing that a few times, I almost kind of like felt like, oh man, I was really naive to think that I could go and meet people and 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 have it be like a nice, fun, accepting, not dysfunctional, alcoholic environment. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought maybe that was just like a yeah, some some idyllic dream that that I had. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny to see that happen. Um, now, as far as the store goes, do you guys do classes and stuff or, or do like shows or is it just mostly that mon- monthly meetup? Well, we try to do other events. It just is kind of dependent on the timing in the month and what's going on. Uh, we do have an occasional show. Um, mm-hmm. Classes, not so much, but we do have workshops occasionally um, or rather demonstrations from manufacturers last month we had novation uh-huh. showing off some fun stuff uh it, it unfortunately our space isn't really set up to uh facilitate things like that um, right. but i'm working on mm-hmm. that i'm working on that it's it's one step at a time it my part of the shop nerd audio is is a relatively new when i say part of the shop is because we are under an umbrella of a larger company so, oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Uh, there's a company, Midwest Pro Sound and Lighting, which has been a, which actually was America's first DJ-specific shop selling turntables and vinyl and uh, products catered to gigging DJs. It was the first of its kind in America. Uh, so the shop's, I think, 35, 40 years old, something like that. Wow. Uh, and the, Yeah, so the synthesizer part of it is is relatively new. It's a few years old. Um I've been there for about a year, but we are growing and we're growing very steadily. This huge boom in modular has, has been a a blessing for everybody. Um, so I do share the space with another shop selling DJ specific equipment, pro audio equipment, stuff like that. So having classes and shows would involve that side of the store because we're all under one big roof. (laughs) So I try Uh to get stuff in. You should see how, fucking crazy these people go when i have these nerd outs because all, all these dj guys have to listen to bleeps and bloops for five hours and it drives them nuts <laughs> <laughs> and i love it i just uh, i get so much satisfaction out of it because <laughs> i don't oh, hear man. it anymore at this point it's it could be nothing i don't hear it but uh it drives them nuts yeah um oh that's so funny but we're working on doing more events. Sometimes we host things outside of the shop or we'll sponsor a modular performance somewhere or, or something like that. I'm trying to do as much as I can. But, uh-huh. you know, Nerd Audio is not its own thing. It is part of a grander scheme. So okay. that, there's, there's roadblocks there for things like that. Yeah. Well, it still sounds like a pretty awesome place and, and it's providing a, a, a great service to the community. Um, Oh yeah, I, I wanted to go back to the to Patch CV film a little sure. bit more, and I I'm curious because you and you and I like you making the the film is is a little similar to you know what I'm doing, just talking to a bunch of different people, and I'm curious sure. just kind of um, to hear from your, your your perspective, like has there has there been anything that you've been surprised by or learned or is like i mean i'm sure there's a bunch of stuff but is it has there any big like standout aha moments or something that that you heard somebody say that kind of helped you put some puzzle pieces together or anything like that 
Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what those specifics are, I can't fucking remember. <laughs> yeah. I realized um, as I was asking that question, I'm like, I'm a dickhead for asking this question. No, no, it's it's actually a great question because it it uh, it was such a blessing to be a part of the crew and be a modular guy, synthesis guy, and listening to all of these people talk about their approach to the instrument, just like you know, listening to your podcast. Mm-hmm. And and being able to, you know, interact and converse with these people and, and see how they approach things. I mean, talking to Brian Noel Lightbath, you know that that was a great interview, and he has this really unique way of of looking at music and feeling music. And it was it wasn't so much that I, I took away a specific sentence that he said, but I took away a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of just love and appreciation for the instrument and the music and and i found that to be pretty universal across just about everybody uh, a daedalus too holy cow nicest guy in yeah. the world yeah a, i just talked to him a few weeks ago it was great yeah oh yeah i, I listened to that it, amazing um absolutely he was approaching modular in in a way that i never fathomed i mean he's essentially using it as a dj rig yeah, and yeah. that just that just really blew my mind, <laughs> and really efficiently, and just like <laughs> just blowing the doors down. Like I was listening mm-hmm. to his his performance for the for the patch thing, and we're filming him, and we're all looking at each other like, "Holy shit! I've never heard this type of music come from a system like that." And and the approach to it of, yeah, these are this is essentially my DJ mixer. And then I've got all these effects and modulation, and I can just go crazy. And it was, it made so much sense. I, it's yeah. like a, such a duh. That's yeah. <laughs> genius. Genius. Um, that was a really cool moment. Um, Sarah Bell Reed also had a lot of beautiful things to say about how she approaches modular. And it was, everybody had a learning point, and everybody taught me something. I, I never left an interview with someone thinking, oh, well, tch. That was a waste of time. Uh, And I learned more about modular from listening to them than I had actually playing it. It, At least that's how I felt over the Uh whole course of the year previous. It's like, holy shit, this this is like going to modular mecca. You know, I'm I'm learning so much. I'm talking to these heavy cats. Everybody has such great points. Just endlessly inspiring. And all I wanted to do was get home and start patching on my own. And so, yes, I took a lot from this whole process. I don't have any specific words of wisdom to dole out from them, but <laughs> all I can say is whatever it is that makes you happy with the instrument, whatever you like doing with that, whether that's harsh noise or you know heavily orchestrated stuff, whatever, or somewhere in between, just just do it, enjoy it, have fun. I mean, that's what it's that's what it's there for. It's a personal experience. Yeah, yeah, and that. To, and to kind of answer my own question in, in in that context from doing the show is like exactly what you just said has been my biggest takeaway from from everybody I've talked to is is just like find your voice and and say whatever it is that that you that you have to say not that you want to say because that that ends almost more intent to it for me personally than it. Then like it's not so much like I have this thing I want to say. It's more like it comes out of me. I'm like I guess I needed to say that, you know. And it's just like yeah. But to hear to hear so many people who are kind of like 
you know, like, like you and our Benny and Daedalus, like we look at, we, a lot of, I think a lot of people look up to you guys and then to hear you guys all kind of just talk about it so openly and, and warmly and plainly and, and just kind of be encouraging about it. I think just really just, it inspires me. Like every time I do one of these talks, I, I, you know, close the laptop and I'm like, oh, I should probably build a patch now. You know, <laughs> So I, I get the same thing. I, I was worried that maybe I would uh, end up kind of stifling my, my drive to, to become a better synthesis by, by talking about it so much on the show. But I'm, I'm just finding that it's making me more and more. I'm just getting more and more excited about it as it's going on. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, it, it, it's it is endlessly inspiring in a lot of different ways. So speaking of inspiration and to go back to something that you said earlier about working on an album or, or not working on the album. (laughs) I am working on it. It's just going really slow. (laughs) So I'm kind of curious about, um, the inspiration for, for you, for you creatively. Um, do, do you uh, do you kind of think of maybe like a, th- a theme you want to go for when you're approaching an album or do, is it like wh- what is it what is an what is setting up to record an album look like for you like mentally like wh- what do you do to prepare for it well this uh, this particular recording I kind of approached a little differently in but intentionally um, I wanted to mm. create a block of music that was related and thematic but varied enough to keep your interest. Um, The idea for this next release is to move from one side of of the tape, if you will, to the other and have it be kind of just an experience, kind of like a live show. You know, I I think I started putting together some material for some live shows and started to really enjoy how certain – sequences or ideas or whatever morphed from one into the other and, and where it went. And, and I found myself intrigued by the, the different movements. So the idea here is to take a pre-thought-out bunch of music. It's already, it's already written, it's done, and record it and produce it in a way to give the listener a good 45 minutes of a seamless listening experience. That is okay. not how I approached the first album that was very much like, oh, I have this song, and I have this song, and I have this song, and how do I bridge them? Let me do some ambient weirdness in between it, and hopefully <laughs> nobody notices. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the latest two singles that I put out on Bandcamp are just their own recordings. They're just standalone pieces. Um, but I've always been intrigued by bands or artists who start an album with a vision, and I don't, I don't want to say that I have a vision, but I, I would like it to sound like I did. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about you. Sometimes I feel like I, I don't, I almost don't want to like get too heady about something like that. But, but, but in, in right. if I was going to be completely honest and, 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 you know, totally like bare all, I, I, when I make something, if I'm going to try to make an album, I do want it to be a thing that, that exists as an entity that comes from somewhere. Sure. Um, maybe, maybe not like, maybe not even so much like personal stuff, but whatever it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that's its own thing that can stand on its own and be int- like you said, interesting for 45 minutes, but all sound like it belongs in the same place. Right. So, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to focus, I'm trying to hone in on a voice and, and trying to mm-hmm. find where I really fit into this whole scene and how I want to proceed with it. Cause I'm playing okay. out a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm playing some larger venues with, with different groups, more high energy. Do I want to be dance music uh, to a degree, but not really. Do I want right. to be ambient? Nah. So I'm trying to find some middle ground and, I think this group or this batch of music uh, will kind of reflect a little bit of all of that. It's it's a lot of different moods, a lot of different tonalities, and uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. Okay, yeah. Do you, so. I'm curious. Do you ever bring bass back into the mix? You know, it's, that's funny that you asked me that because today I uh, I asked my wife for bass strings for Christmas. Oh, really? <laughs> I haven't I haven't put new strings on this bass in probably twelve years, and I've been. It's funny. I ca- I came home one day and she had done a little reorganization around the house, and I found my music stand out, and the Charlie Parker Omni book open on the music stand, sitting right in front of my music. And I was like, "Holy shit! I haven't I haven't sat down and tried to read music in a long time." So I picked up my bass and I started playing, and then a couple hours went by. I'm like, "Holy shit! I'm having fun again." <laughs> Maybe I should get some bass strings and start uh, start playing a little bit more. So you, okay, there, the... yeah, there may be bass in the future. We'll see. We'll see. So, um, now the 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 real hard hitting question: um, do you use flat wounds or what? What do you what do you rock? Oh, round wounds. Round, round wounds all the all, all day, okay. all day. <laughs> I, I, flat wounds are cool, but. I want a little bit more versatility in my sound, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I, I'm not a bassist. I'm a guitarist who uh, ended up having to take over the bass role in a band. Um, oh, okay. And then started having fun with it and trying to actually learn how to play bass. But it's funny that you mentioned that you just started, you that you were practicing um, bass the other day because I uh, I put new strings on my guitar about five days ago. And oh, every no day shit. I, yeah, every day I've been just running like fundamental, like trying to get my my chops back because since I've gotten modular, I've definitely uh, uh, <laughs> kind of it's kind of gone downhill a little bit. Yeah, the chops take a big hit when you start patching, man. Holy shit! Yeah, first. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I look forward. To, so I I kind of see that as 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 where the future of this is going. Um, I I feel I feel like I just I'm gonna we're gonna see more and more semi-modular um, paired you know or maybe like some you know six U cases with some some external drum machines and guitar pedals and I don't know I'm that's kind of where I'm going and I I just I see see so many companies do it you know like the uh, the No Coast and then you've got Moffinzeef doing weird stuff like the Stargazer and uh, Hungry Robot doing that super awesome like guitar pedal. Uh, modular yeah. setup like i don't know i just see all these like super creative things happening around this and um i'm just hoping that we see more like s- you know standard synthesizers with cv control and everything but um oh definitely i mean we're already going there i, th- I think yeah. that we're i think people are taking this seriously which is awesome i mean yeah novation for instance just released a MIDI controller with two CV outputs. <laughs> You've yeah. got two channels of CV uh, gate and something else, or I don't know what it is, but but yeah. for a company like that to be producing a product that is modular capable, that means somebody's listening, and that mm-hmm. this is a a big deal, and uh, companies want to you know profit on that. And I 
and I'm I'm thankful for the integration. That's the whole yeah. That's the whole modular thing. Is I want to all of the modules work with each other and they all in- integrate with each other. But now, how do I get that to work with my studio? Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. So it's I think it sounds like you and I are maybe in the the same camp that I've I've heard I've heard some people rumbling that oh it's it's kind of a fad and it's it's peaking and it's on its way out already and I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I kind of I I feel like we are going to see more and more cool manufacturers doing cooler things and and the already existing ones continue to blow our minds with the the stuff that they do. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that we're definitely hitting a saturation point in the mm-hmm. market, and and working at a synth shop, it's a little bit more evident, I think, than than other people see. I mean, holy shit, uh, you know, the the pricing of our used modules has had to go way down just because there's a huge saturation of everything everywhere. Yeah. eBay, Reverb, uh, I mean, they're great channels to find used gear, but. But holy cow, there's so much out there, and there's a lot of people. And this is really interesting because I, I talked to Tony Rolando about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, he had a great point saying, despite all of this craze and everything that's going on, not all of these people are sticking to this, and a huge portion of them are just giving up. And that's why yeah. we're seeing this oversaturation of used modules and all this stuff. So, yes, the, the interest is there, but the number of people who really stick with it is. Uh, it's, I don't know. I'm going to say it's 50-50. I think 50% wow, okay. of people will continue to invest and then 50% will let it gather dust and eventually sell it or just drop the whole thing in general. I I don't think a lot of people just have the patience for an instrument that fights back. I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it's interesting been interesting to, to watch. You know, uh-huh. I, I've had certain customers buy something, come in and sell it back to me couple weeks later and it's like wow are you really it's like wow this thing doesn't work and it's like well no it totally works you just don't want to work with it and yeah and so maybe that's a good filter point for the for the whole industry like if you're if you're not really going to get into it and you don't want to invest your time then maybe it's not worth the investment of your money and i I get it Mm -hmm. i totally get it but uh yeah i don't think it's peaked at all i think i think we're just getting to a point where people are accepting it and we're going to see it more in everyday situations, live gigs, um, on stage. You know, I mean, holy shit, so many bands have modular synths on stage right now. It's it's kind of wild. I don't know if they're using all of them, <laughs> yeah. but, but they're up there. Um, yeah. And so it's definitely, uh, I don't think we've peaked at all. And I don't, in this day and age, it's hard to say something is just going to be a fad because even if it, slightly falls out of the popular eye there'll still be a huge group of people who are into this and are supporting this because the internet exists and there's a scene for everybody yeah i'm you know something i was talking about with uh with daedalus was i'm I'm excited to see what these what the the younger people like i got into music with guitar what are these what are these people who are getting into music at 12 years old maybe not 12 but like you know late teens early 20s on a modular rig, like what kind of stuff are they going to be creating once they're kind of hitting their, you know, creative stride? Like, right. It's really, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. They're going to be monsters. Yeah. They're going to, they're <laughs> going to kill us all. They're going to put us dinosaurs <laughs> to, to bed. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, that's one of the cool things to come back to the nerd out event at the shop. 
that's one of the coolest things that it's an all ages event. I have kids as young as 12, 16. I got a couple high school kids who drive themselves in from the suburbs. They bring their synths, they bring their drum machines and they hook it up and they rock out. That's awesome. Standing next to them is a 65-year-old electrical engineer who's curious about modular, knows a ton about circuitry and schematics, but is more curious about the sonic. And so the kid is teaching this older gentleman how to use the equipment, and the older gentleman is giving him the theory behind the circuit. And the whole it's like, holy cow! I love like, that. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's it's such a like a Kodak moment. I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> I just dated myself by saying Kodak moment, didn't I? <laughs> I dated myself by laughing as hard at that as I did, so you're in good company. <laughs> For you but kids, Kodak was a film. Yeah, oh. right? <laughs> But I have parents coming in looking for scents for their kids. Uh, you know, my kid's into Marshmallow Head or what? I don't, who is that guy? I don't know that guy. Um, uh, he's wait, into this guy. Wait, and he, is that a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some guy Marshmallow, I think. I, don't, I, I think I added the head just to be a dick. Um, <laughs> but, but then, you know, I honestly can't blame him because I got into electronic music when I went to my first rave. I, I, well, I don't know if you would call it a rave. It was a Dead Mouse show in maybe 2009 in New hey, York man. City. And yeah, I, I was rocking four, my four times four equals 12 back back then. So I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm say ashamed. what you will about him. I think I think he makes great house music. I don't care if anybody disagrees. That's that's their own agenda. But that's what swung me for electronic music in general. So I went to this show and I'm watching this one man command this crowd and it was unbelievable. The sounds, the, the volume, just the, the energy. And that's what's like, holy shit, this is the music people are connecting with. They're not connecting with jazz. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> people are coming to see this and experience this. And this is a different thing. And that's not the type of music I like to create, but definitely was inspirational. So I see these kids come in and they're like, oh, I like X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm a huge Avicii fan, whatever. I want to learn how to make these sounds. They're interested in production. They're interested in synthesizers. And they, they want to create their own music. They don't want to just DJ other people's. They want to, yeah, you know, they want to have their own voice. And I think that that's really cool for a 12-year-old kid to have a synthesizer. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I've I've got a, a six year old nephew that I I'm, I'm bringing the modular over to his mom's house on Christmas, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get him hooked on it. They're gonna hate Heck me yeah. if I do, but <laughs> <laughs> but there's also affordable options for it too. You know, you don't. Oh, have, for sure. Not everybody yeah. has to have a shared system. You know, you right. can D, DIY s- some mm-hmm. basic stuff and learn how it works and rock and roll. I mean. I don't know. I, I think that that's another thing people forget about is that, oh, oh modular is so expensive. Well, it, it doesn't have to be. It depends on the instruments you want to play with, but it's very yeah. accessible if you want to put the time into it. Yeah, when all's said and done, if, if you're going to take guitar really seriously and your tone really seriously, by the time you have the amp, the guitar, and all the pedals that you want, it's going to be about the same as a, as a you know, a, a oh, pretty totally. robust system. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, an orange amp, you know, a nice guitar, some cables, and then strings every couple of weeks, if not yeah. sooner than that. You're spending a lot of money on your mm-hmm. craft. It's just yeah. spread out a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I found my way into a full setup, so, I'm, you know, 
I definitely wheeled and dealed. I sold a lot of stuff, but you know, you, there, there are ways to do it. You don't, it's, I think there's a myth that you have to have a lot of money to get into it. You just have to be willing to work really hard to, you know, and, and it's kind of an uphill battle to get started because you do have to have a number of things to start actually making music. But once you get there, it's, it, you it's amazing how quickly it starts falling into place. So absolutely, yeah. The bulk of the cost is up front. Yeah, you need for a case sure. with a reliable power supply, and I always recommend that people buy a full voice. Don't buy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, buy individual modules. Get yourself a full voice. The the yeah. semi modular thing is cool, but you're still working with somewhat fixed architecture. If you really want to understand modular and how synthesis works at its basis. Start with independent pieces and learn how to make that semi-modular system by patching it yourself. And I get a lot yep. of scuff about that from from people, but seriously, I, man, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, I think I think the semi-modular thing can be a good introduction, but like I think you will learn you will learn the synthesis chain and kind of understand why things are doing what they're doing if it's all broken apart. So absolutely, you know, I appreciate your time tonight. Hey, thank you so much. I, this was a blast. And uh, where can people go to find out all things Red Stripe Down, Patch CV, etc.? All, all things Red Stripe Down and Patch CV? Well, um, <clears throat> to go back to Instagram, you can find me on Instagram. Um, Red Stripe Down <laughs> is the name. It's one word. There's no uh, underscores or anything like that. I post stuff there almost daily. Uh, new music, uh, show updates, things like that. I'm working on an official website. I'm just horrible with things like that, so it's taking a long time. Um, <clears throat> also, Bandcamp, if you search for me on Bandcamp, you can find all of my available releases. If you listen to this podcast and you send me a private message on any channel or whatever and just request a free download code, you can have all of my music for free. Ooh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you all for free. I mean, if you want to donate to the cause, I would love you for it. But if you just want some tunes, then I'm happy to oblige. Um, Patch CV, patchcv.com, as well as Instagram, uh, a heavy Facebook presence as well. And again, uh, first episodes one and two will be airing on December 7th. That's a Friday uh, at your local theater. Um, St. Augustine, New York City, Portland, Oregon for short. Portland is, I just got a text actually while we were talking here. Portland, Oregon, modular eight. Uh, the Synth Shop Modular oh. 8 will be airing episodes 1 and 2 for free on December 7th. So if you live in the Portland area, you should go there and you should watch them. It's going to be awesome. Uh, oh, now, will you be there on that on at Modular 8? I will not be at Modular 8. I will be in St. Augustine. Um, okay. I will be doing a performance, which we are hoping to record and cut a limited edition small vinyl for. So... Sweet. That's actually what's patched up with the system right now, hence my uh, hesitation to unpatch it. Oh, okay. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, like I said, if you're listening to this episode also, you can uh, just look at the info. I'll put the, the, the link to those shows so you can just have easy access. Um, yeah, and Corey, I appreciate your time. It was a great chat. Oh, thank you so much. This was a blast. I wish we could keep going. But until next time. All right, that's the show. Thank you, Corey, for being a guest. That was a lot of fun. Um, Don't forget to check out his music and Patch CV Film. 
and uh, check the uh, the link in the show description here uh, to see if if uh, it's going to be screening in your town. Uh, once again, thank you to all the sponsors. Audulus, fifty uh, percent off currently, and I'll be giving away some uh, free download codes throughout the week. So check out my Instagram for that. And uh, thank you to AI Synthesis recovery effects um you guys got to check out this bang oscillator from livestock electronics it's uh it's a lot of fun and uh of course the angle grinder and interstellar radio from schlappy engineering are super cool so i think occasionally i want to throw a third demo into the show at the end um so i'm going to do that we're going to end on that and uh thank you for listening and until next week all right, so we heard what like some baseline sequences sounded like going into the interstellar radio. Now let's see what some percussive stuff sounds like. So I've got two oscilloscapes from Recovery Effects. I'll bring the first one up. And here's the second one. As you can hear, two oscilloscapes are better than one. Now I've got the first one going into the carrier in for uh, the interstellar radio, and then I've got the second one going into the demodulator in. And I'm running the, um, there's an out and there's an error out. These aren't the carrier and demodulator outs that you're going to hear right now. This is just the, the primary out and the error out. So here is the primary. Bring the error. Now I've got some CV running into the uh, CV inputs on the carrier and demodulator exit uh, carrier and demodulator sections, and I'm going to bring the outputs from those up right about now. So here's the carrier, and the demodulator. And there's a signal in input on the interstellar radio as well. And I've got the uh, kind of the ring modi thing from the woggle bug going into that. So I'll bring that in. And then there's a type switch. There's types one through three. I'm on one right now. Let's go to two. Wogglebug back in. And depending on your signal, um, the types are going to interact differently. So just the nature of this patch right now, uh, types one, uh, 2 and 3 are pretty similar. But back to 1. what you can do with the interstellar radio among many many other things uh, go to schlappyengineering.com to learn more